0: What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. Understanding substitution and sin is the only way in. If you're new here, I do a bunch of obnoxious rhyming, so hello, welcome. My name's Trey Van Camp, okay? <laughs> Stinking Dr. Seuss beat me to it. I just sell a bunch of kid books. Now, understanding substitution and sin. Is the only way in. I promise you, if you do not understand that Jesus was your substitute, if you do not understand that you yourself are a sinner, then you cannot experience this grace of God. See, our sin, Scripture says all throughout the book, that our sin has separated us from God god actually created us to live in perfect unity with him but instead we've said no i don't want that i want to pursue my own thing friends this is why we're dedicating our children today because we're praying that our children would see this reality and cling to king jesus okay here sin is complex though and here's the way i want to describe it you get your pen out i believe there's so many different ways to describe sin but what's very consistent in the text there are four different imageries metaphors about what sin is and what it does to your life. Ready? It's not on the notes, but just put it on the notes. Ready? Point one, 18, whatever. Here's the first imagery. Sin is slavery. It actually makes sense when you read the book of Exodus when Moses was delivering the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. Guys, that wasn't just a fun story. That was pointing to us, how Jesus delivered us out of our own Egypt. He has delivered us out of our own slavery. See, sin is slavery. So sin is your chain. Notice, no Romans seven, right? Romans seven says, "I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't do, what I want to do, because you're a slave to sin. No matter what, you're always chained to sin, and no matter what you do, you can't get away with it. You know what that leads to? And maybe you can see this in your life. When 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 you have the slavery of sin on your life, you live in frustration. You're frustrated." You want to do these things, but you have no power to do them. You live in complete frustration. Here's the next example. Sin is a battlefield. We see this all throughout the text, all throughout, especially Ephesians. Sin is an evil force, and it is so powerful you cannot win against it. Because sin is an evil force, you live in fear. Some of you, you maybe live in frustration, but a lot of us live in fear. Fear. We're in fear that we don't know what our future is going to look like. We're in fear because we know ultimately we're not in control, but we're too prideful to admit that. And so we try harder and harder and harder, but it only continues with more and more fear. Here's the next one because I have to hurry. We have marketplace language. Sin is a debt. This is what a lot of us know, right? Sin is a debt. This is a debt that Jesus has paid for you. So because sin is a debt, here's what this means. Maybe you don't live in frustration. Maybe you don't live in fear, but you live in shame you're guilty because you know that you owe somebody to something that you can never pay back and you live in shame and you carry that throughout your life. Sin is a debt and you live in shame. Here's the last one. I believe there's so many more. Sin is a violation. You have trespassed. You have crossed where you weren't supposed to cross. You did what was wrong. And so now there is a verdict on your head. And so because of that, you not only live in frustration, you not only live in fear, you not only live in shame, but you also live in insecurity. You have no idea when that judgment is coming, and you are so insecure. Insecurity comes out in so many ways. Mainly, you don't have any friends. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, just this constant. You don't trust anybody. You're constantly backstabbing others because you want to backstab them before they backstab you. It's a constant life of misery. Here's what's so good, though. It says that Christ died for Our sins. Here in the Greek word, this word for, I'm a Greek nerd, and in the Greek it's actually translated this word for. For in the English can mean so many weird things, but for us in the Greek here, the literal translation is Christ died on behalf of our sins. Another way to translate it is Christ died in the place of our sins. See, we have to understand sin, but we also understand substitution. Jesus is our substitution because we all know adam and eve done messed it all up amen mainly eve but whatever i'm not i'm not (laughs) just kidding i love my wife okay i just don't like eve check this out this is this is so good jesus is our substitution because the first adam messed up we messed it up here's the first adam adam was in the garden and he was told one thing his command was obey and live and he didn't you know what's so cool about jesus in the garden of gethsemane What was his command? God told him, obey and die, and he did. Jesus is our perfect substitution. We have the opportunity to obey and live, and we messed it up. Jesus had the opportunity to obey and die, and he did it for us. That's good. You should write that down. You should tweet that. Moving on. Okay, so what does this mean for us? Jesus liberates you from slavery and breaks you from the chains of frustration and gives you freedom. What this means is Jesus fights the evil force on your behalf and gives you a fearless faith. What this means, because Jesus is our substitution, he pays our debt and he gives you forgiveness. You can walk away without any chains, any burdens on your shoulders because you are debt-free, which I wish I knew what that felt like. Thank you, college. Okay, and then Jesus takes your verdict. He goes in the courtroom and he takes your place so that he gives you a clean plate and he gives you a future full of grace and full of hope. Jesus is our substitution. And here's why it's good news. Point two B, the gospel is a person to receive, not principles to achieve. I want you to think about that. Well, we have Christ died on our behalf. In other words, we're not here to die for Christ. Christ died for us. So so what this means, I'm about to explain this more in the next portion of the text, oh, time, but, but what this is, and this is how it's so different from every other religion, is the point of this whole thing is to receive and believe. What do we want to do? We want to achieve. We want to work for it. Uh-uh. It's not the gospel. If you try to do that, you will continue to live in fear. You will continue to live in frustration. You will continue to live in shame. You will continue to live in the other one that I already forgot to tell you. What is it? <laughs> you live in insecurity.